So, before today, the last four games, the Toronto Blue Jays have scored 52 runs. They just got shut up by the Tampa Bay Rays 2-0. So, that helps the Yankees significantly. Right now, they're half game into the second spot of the wild card. And the A's are currently winning 6-2. The Mariners play the Red Sox in 40 minutes. So, that's that's very, very important. Um, the Yankees are winning this game 5-1. to one. Uh, Garrett Cole didn't do a couple of things he needed to do tonight. But if they stay on schedule, his last three starts of the season, his next start is, is the Indians. So that, to me, is a start where it's his last fine-tuning start. His last two starts, to me, are what kind of Cole will see possibly in the postseason. And because if he doesn't get skipped, it's the Red Sox and the Rays. Which means me and James would see Garrett Cole pitch in the Bronx. And that's big. But the Red Sox is big too. And if the Yankees hold on tonight, they also have to hold on and sweep the series. They can't just win the series. Now, I guess technically they can, but I had them going 16-3 and out of their last 19. With three losses, one against the Jays. One against the Red Sox, one against the Rays. So now, if they sweep, that all stays true. But let's just say they win the series against the Orioles. Now, guess what? They can't lose. They got to sweep the Jays, the Red Sox, or the Rays. They can't lose one of those games because then then that drops the number even further. So we're now going to talk to our second season ticket holder on the year. That is Mr. David Rifkin. We're going to talk about season. We're going to talk about his stories, how he became a season ticket holder. So you guys will have two great pods to listen to. We had a great time with Mike Mike Lindsay, as we always do. He's a fantastic sports mind. And uh, it's going to be a good conversation. Yes, sir. We are now here with David Rifkin season ticket holder of your New York Yankees. And as we all know, the Rays just did what we needed to do. They beat the Toronto Blue Jays, which, you know, the Blue Jays didn't even score tonight, so that helps. And the A's are currently winning 6-2, to two, and we need the Mariners to beat the Red Sox tonight. So first things first, David, how are you going tonight? I've been uh, getting us one step closer to, you know, holding a wild card spot. That's that's awesome. Um, be, before we talk Yanks, how did you become a Yankee fan, and what made you want to be a season ticket holder? Um, I mean, I became a, I, I've been a Yankee fan my entire life. My my father was a Yankee fan. My grandfather was a Yankee fan. You know, I like to tell people that my oldest memory of my entire life is being four years old in the upper deck with my father and my grandfather. And you know, from that moment on, it's it's kind of just been the bond of, of my life. You know, I've, I've got a, I've got a seven year old and a four year old and I take them to Yankee games. And, um, it's always, it's just, it's just been a part of my life. I mean, I remember always going to the stadium or, or watching games with my family. So it, it always was that thing. And, um, you know, as I got older, I went to a lot more games, you know, I, my buddies and I, when 
we were in college or right after college, we'd go to almost every game with the first homestand in, in the freezing cold in the April when we was in the bleachers of the upper deck, we were always there. And um, I knew at some point if I had the opportunity in my life financially, I would get season tickets. And as the years went on, the Yankees started calling me and saying, hey, we see how much money you're spending on sub on StubHub in a season. You know, why wouldn't you consider getting season tickets of some package of some sort? So um, first I said no. And, you know, and then as I started to go to more games and um, finally I did a half season in the terrace. Um, and then I realized I was using it. And, and then like any good salesperson that they are, you know, they realized they had a diehard Yankee fan and kept pushing on me. And so I'm so now I have. uh I, I guess my contract now runs through 2027 um, in the Delta Suites, and I've got a full season and a multi-year package, and, uh, and it's great. And it's something that I use for myself with my friends, with my wife and my kids. Uh, I use it for business. You know, it's that it's it's my happy place. I'm happy to be there as much as I can possibly be there. Dave, this is um. What I wanted to ask you is, um, do you have any like um, f- um, stories and memories that you know, growing up as a Yankee fan, that you'll that you'll never forget that got you hooked on to being a Yankee fan? Like, you know, like any like particular like Yankee game or any moment that's that struck a chord with you? I mean, listen, there, there's there's always the things. I mean, my. You know, I mentioned my memory of my, with my grandfather and my father at four years old. And, you know, when, when that grandfather got, got sick and he lives in he lived in Syracuse, but and he, and he obviously couldn't come down to the games anymore. You know, he'd, he'd still want to talk to me every night and, and talk about the game, right? And, and want to talk about the game we were watching and, and what was happening. So it was always a part of my life. Um, you know, certainly I, I remember my dad going to opening day in, in 96, which was obviously Tino's first game. And it was snowed and it rained and it was sunny. It was every weather you could possibly imagine. Um, I admittedly booed Tino Martinez because he was replacing Don Mattingly, who was my hero in life, um, which I, I, I think I, I met Tino a few years ago and apologized. Um, you know, but like, it, it's just, you, baseball is one of those things where, it goes on for so long, um, and there's so many games, and and it gets passed down from generation to generation, and it just becomes a fabric of what you do. So whether it's that game, you know, certainly I was, I mean, I remember being at the Clemens, the Clemens return game in those seven where, you know, they told you to look up into Steinbrenner's box, and all of a sudden there was Roger, and nobody knew, nobody knew the rocket was there, and that was crazy. You know, there's. Um, even things as recently as I was at the Field of Dreams game in Iowa, right? And 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 as as crazy as it was to get to Dyersville, Iowa, as ridiculous as it was to make plans on a week's notice since I figured out I could get tickets and get myself there, you know, it's the Yankees. It's baseball. It's one of those things that you just say, Okay, I don't I don't care what it's gonna take. I'm gonna find my way to get there. Um, and so you do. So we obviously all saw it on T V but what was it like being in Iowa from seeing the field, going to the movie set, which I'm sure you did, the corn maze, seeing it start, seeing Kevin Costner come out the field, seeing him speak with the old school mic, you know, and then and then from the ups and downs of homers and homers and Heaney just being Heaney, from from Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton. To, 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 to Tim Anderson and the fireworks. 
talk about that night. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I have told a lot of people that it is, it is absolutely the coolest event I've ever been to in my entire life. Um, you know, there was, as I was flying, um, I had, a, I flew, I was having to be in Florida, so I had to fly from Florida to Atlanta, Atlanta to Davenport, Iowa, which is 90 miles from Dyersville. So I rent a car and drove 90 miles in the cornfields, you know, to get there. Um, and, and, you know, part of me, when you're, when you're doing the whole thing and, and all the money it took to get there, having your head like, Hey, is this going to be designed for TV and not be as good as you hope it's going to be? Um, I was wrong. I mean, it was worth every penny I spent times three. Uh, you know, I got there, I would say I got there about 2.15. I hit Dyersville at about 2.15. And so it took about a half hour to get into the parking lot. And if you've watched the movie, you see that traffic slowly moving down as you see the stadium. And, and the movie set, and that's what it was. I mean, you're driving in, you see the movie set, and you're like, holy crap, this is literally what I've watched 8,000 times. Um, once you got in, they do a tremendous job of having this set uh, look like it did, you know, during the movie. So the field is laid out. They have people dressed up like the White Sox um, playing catch with people. People are playing catch with their families. You know, you can go and sit on the swing on the movie set. Um, they did a tremendous job of just the movie set looking like you thought it would. And then um, – what was incredible is like you, you can't, you don't know where the stadium is. I mean, it's, it's a professional baseball stadium. It's hard to hide. And you're like, where the heck can this thing be? And they told you the way you get there is to walk through the cornfields. And so you literally had to walk through the outfield wall where the ghosts came out of to get to the next, to get to the next phase, which is where the stadium was. And so when you walk through the cornfields, which is just, for me, it was mind blowing having, you know, watch that movie so many times to be walking through the same cornfields. Um, they had these big, they had a big kind of path set up um, where they had stand-ups to different players. They had signs. They had, you know, things like if you build it where you could go and really kind of a lot of like Instagrammable things that you would, that you would see. Um, they even had a corn maze set up in the shape of the Major League Baseball logo. But, you know, as you're walking your way through this path, um, you can now see where the stadium is, but you can't even see into it yet. So what I happened to actually do was I jumped up on a bench that was set up and you could actually see over the corn into the field. Uh, and it was just, and you could got to begin, you began to get a feel for it. Once you actually got to the field and saw it, um, it was incredible. I mean, they, they did an absolute, um, superb job of, you know, having, having the wall be be whatever plexiglass it was so you didn't see the wall, you just saw the cornfields in the outfield. To even, like, to have the batter's eye, you know, to have the, the black for the batter's eye, they painted it like it was a burnt-out um, farmhouse. So it, it blended into what they were trying to do, to, you know, having the old-school phone cases to keep the phones to call the bullpens. They really did every little thing. I mean, I, I looked out in left field and you see where... A-Rod and Big Copy were, it, that, that TV set or whatever it was that they were sitting in was set in the cornfields. So it, so, so it, it felt like everything flowed really well. I, I think, you know, funny enough, I was walking around outside grabbing a beer and I, and I saw Nick Swisher and, um, so, and a nice home run by Gallo. Way to go. Um, 
So um, I looked at, I said hi to Swish, and, I said, and, and he looks at me and he goes, how fucking cool is this? He goes, is this just not the greatest thing ever? And, um, you know, I mean, listen, Swish, you know, it's, I, I, everybody goes Swish, you know. And then, um, and I said, this is, I said, it's unreal. He goes, can you believe we're here? Like, this is Nick Swisher, who played in the major leagues, who's looking at me, who he knows is a Yankee fan, but has never met before. And he can't get over it. All he wants to do is tell me how cool this is that we're here. And he goes, he goes, what are you, what are you doing? I said, I want to go to Yankee batting practice. He goes, yeah, let's go. And we just started walking. Again, I've never met Nick Swisher in my life until that, that actual moment. And all Nick Swisher wants to do is go to batting practice with me because he's just excited as everybody else that we're there. Um, I mean, I, I happen to be sitting, I happen to be sitting in the row behind Hal Steinbrenner and, and got a chance to speak to him and talk to him. And even he said, he goes, can you believe the job that they've done putting this together? How incredible the whole thing looks. You know, the fact that you guys saw when um, – as the, as the game was starting, the players walking out of the cornfields. Right. And, you know, everything that you guys saw times a thousand, um, it was to be there. You know, I will forever, certainly the outcome was not what any of us wanted, but like, you know, when you, when you sat there during batting practice and watching these guys hit bombs into the cornfields, it was just like an unbelievable thing to watch. But then like the moment that will stick with me forever is, you know, if you're sitting, if you looked out in right field, over the over the cornfields, you could see the movie set clear as day. So by, you know, by the sixth inning, when it was nighttime, it was dark out, the movie set is lit up. And so when Judge hits a home run, this kind of like majestic moon ball home run, late in the game, and you watch the ball kind of sailing in the moonlight, and then as it's going over the wall and vanishing the cornfields, you see the movie set. And, and you know, it's just one of those things that will forever stick in your mind. Like, I can't believe I watched that happen. And yeah, the the ending was not what we wanted. Um, you know, I even said as somebody who's been as many Yankee games as I have, certainly it's always terrible and painful to lose a game. Having been there for seven hours and, and lived all of that and seen all of those things and being so sucked into all it was, all everything that it was, it kind of hurt a little bit less, believe it or not. Um, but just like the, the, those memories and, and those feelings, like everything you guys saw that on TV, I, I would say it was, it was, you know, times 10 or times a hundred in person, just kind of living it and experiencing it the entire day. Now, obviously Yankees currently are winning six to one as, um, Gallo hits a, hits a moonshot, so that's really good. Now, let's talk about this current Yankee team. Obviously, you know, Yankees are currently in a wild card battle with the Toronto Blue Jays, the Boston Red Sox, and also with the Seattle Mariners and, and Oakland A's. Um, assuming that the Yankees hold on and get the top spot, and they would likely play Toronto, how confident or how nervous are you having to face a team like Toronto with all of those hitters and also your thoughts on the Yankee season overall. Yeah. I mean, listen, if we've got to play Toronto, to be honest, I'm, um, I guess my, the nerve, if we're, if we're playing them in the Bronx, I guess my nerves around that game probably are dependent on who's pitching, you know, from, from the Toronto side, you know, we, we've hit Barrios, um, 
at least it feels like it plenty of times because he was on the Twins, and it's all we do is beat the Twins. So he actually doesn't scare me as much as if we've got to go against Ryu, who we used to beat up. I, mean, I remember when he was in the Dodgers and was leading the league in ERA, and we just came in and absolutely mauled him. But this feels like this year I've been to two games with him pitching where he's just humiliated us. And so I think if you know if it's a situation where it's Ryu against Cole, I, I, you know, just with, with how well their lineup has been hitting, um, I'm certainly going to be very nervous. Although, you know, I said to somebody today, there's there's 19 games left this season. You know, the, the Jays have been on a pair the last few weeks. You know, every every team gets hot and every team gets cold, and maybe and maybe this hot streak doesn't run through the end of the season. You know, and they cool off a little bit because that's what teams tend to do. Um, so from that perspective, I think it, to some extent my nerves would be would be around who they sent to the mound. Um, I'll always believe that Cole is just gonna is just gonna be lights out every game because he's Garrett Cole. You know, he 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 is he has been everything we hoped he would be, and then some. Um, he's not only just you know that absolute shutdown ace. I mean, if you watch him tonight. He's, you know, he gave up one run tonight at the very end as he was running out of gas, but he hasn't pitched in a week and a half, and and he clearly didn't have his A stuff. You know, he was battling, and he missed the zone a few of his pitches and couldn't get locked in, and yet he still was shutting guys down. So, so you know, big game, big big situation. I'll put my money on Cole. You know, I had to be, I was there in 19. I was there in 19 when it was in the, in, against the Astros, and he was pitching. And as much as you wanted to boo everybody in the Astros, everyone was afraid to boo Garrett Cole because he wanted to come so badly in the offseason. You know, it was like, we're going to boo the Astros, but we're not going to boo Garrett Cole because we're not going to pull a Cliff Lee all over again and we want him to come to the Bronx. Um, as, as, far as, uh, as far as this Yankee team in general, I mean, I just, like everybody, they've been frustrating. You know, there, there, is, there is zero excuse for how bad they've hit. Um, it seems like every move Boone has made with the bullpen, even the ones that shouldn't fail, just somehow fail. You know, like you bring in Lewisgo and he's been shut when he's been lights out, and somehow he, you know, he gets bombed. Um, the rotation is not given up; it's not given enough length. So now you're seeing guys just implode, like like Chad Green. Um, you know, they probably be probably bet a little bit too much on guys who didn't have enough experience and it's beginning to, you know, or, or not experience enough. They haven't pitched enough in the last few years because of injury or otherwise. Um, and it's kind of coming home to roost. Um, you know, I certainly, I, I would, I've certainly been a bit surprised at the injury bug because I thought the, I thought the, the reason we went and got Eric Cressy was to get this team a bit healthier. And it seems like we've had more injuries than we've, we've had in any year before. So, like, that's a bit strange. Um, and then I would just say, from a, you know, from a hitting perspective, it's you guys are going to have down years, like DJ's having a down year. You know, I, it, it's, I just, like, Rizzo said it, Rico's, I made contact, I, I put the bat on the ball because there's a better chance of getting out on base so I put a bat, if I put the bat on the ball. And... It just feels like too many guys are having down years. It feels like we're going, we're, we're a little bit too much feast or famine sometimes, um, and and that's been aggravating. And I think and I think you I think you see that because when you've had guys like Velasquez come up, or you know when some these when when Greg Allen came up, and all of a sudden guys were just finding their way on base and being aggressive, good things were happening. And so I think this team needs a bit more athleticism. But 
you know, but the talent's there. You know, you get get to October and the whole season changes. And make no mistake, I mean, there's very few who have a lineup as good on paper as we do. And if we can get to October, you know, hopefully everybody does their part. All right, so 12 minutes ago, Blue Jays reporter Hazel May said Bar- Barrios was removed from the game with abdominal tightness on his left side. So he's doing treatment right now. Um, obviously, with Barrios, this is different than the Twins, right? The Blue Jays have a much better fielding team and a home team. So, you know, it, it'd most likely be him or Ryu. I'd bet on Barrios because that's the guy they got to for for this reason. So as long as this, this ain't a serious thing, I think that's who we face. Now, there's, there's a pretty significant free agent shortstop class in this offseason. And I am one of the very, very few that really want this player. I think the Yankees need this player so bad. But I can't wait. I, I think I know it is. How how would you feel if the New York Yankees got the cocky badass, the star skilled shortstop, the amazing postseason man, Carlos Correa? I would I would boo him as loud as I as I booed Heaney on opening day. I would. Wow. I I I boo him. I boo him as loud as I booed him when he when he came to the stadium on May fourth. Wow, um, and and I and I will tell you why. So, I mean, we all know they cheated. Okay, there's no, there's no, there's no doubt about it. The thing with the thing with him is that he just stood up there and and picked a, and picked a fight afterwards. You know, like as much as we all detest Bregman and Altuve, and they at least said they're sorry, right? Like. Correa just stood up there and picked the fight. And, you know, first of all, I don't think he's coming. And I'll tell you why I don't think he's coming. Um, if you if you listen to everything Cash has said, um, when he talked about Tanaka, when he talked about that that season, he, he clearly um, has not gotten over it. And... Um, and it, so it would be, it would be very sick. Now, you know, Cash doesn't telegraph much, but sometimes he does. Um, and, and I just think it's very telling that when he continues to reference, you know, those seasons, um, it just sounds to me like somebody who's just not going to la- go and go after a guy who was directly involved in that. I just personally think that, you know, my first choice would obviously be Corey Seager. Now, for this reason only, yes, one of I've always said this: the Yankees are too right-handed dependent. 100%. It's easier to pitch to guys that's an all-righty lineup, but if you get a power bat in Corey Seager, who's also a pretty damn good defensive shortstop, way better than Glaber, and you get that lefty bat. In Yankee Stadium, and if you and if you bring back Rizzo and you trade Glaber and Voight, now you're talking about a lineup with Gallo, with with, with Corey Seager, you know, and you know whatever you get from Hicks. You're talking nice about like two to three. You know, you're talking about two to three left-handed bats in the lineup to balance the lineup. So this way, it becomes that much harder to pitch to the Yankees. What do you say about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. 
I like Seeger a lot. Um, I think I think you're spot on. I mean, listen, I'm I'm so torn. I'm so torn on Glaber. I think it's it's a, it's kind of two parts to what you just said. Like, I'm so torn on Glaber because I I, I will forever remember you know 19 Glaber and how much fun Glaber Torres is to watch when he's locked in and he's hitting and 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 it's you know it's almost sad to see this kid who's 24 years old you know to see him struggling the way he is and you're like I know we all know it's there. Um, but so so there's there's that side of me. But then there's also the side of me, which, you know, that you guys are hitting on, which is that, you know, the, the defense is sloppy. In many ways, it looks like he just doesn't try hard enough or isn't focused enough. And I don't know that to be true or not true. But, you know, when you see somebody who doesn't run out of the balls, when you see guy, when you see somebody who, who bobbles the obvious plays like he, like he even did tonight, um, like you see him, like I, I referenced it a few times, but like not on this call, but before online, like the fact that he, the fact that he hurt his hand sliding into second because he slid with the wrong hand. It's just, you know, to me, it's just kind of like, a, a, a where's your focus? Um, and so from that perspective, then maybe you need to change the scenery. If you are really, if you get the right piece for him, you know, like Jim Bowden said today, maybe you go and float Glaber as a, way, as a part of a deal to go get Matt Olson. Okay, you know, I'm interested in that. You know, there was talk earlier in the, in the offseason about trading Glaber as part of a deal to get Castillo. I'm in on that, right? And then... And then, to your point, if you move on from that, if you move on from Glaber, what, what's the shortstop that you look at? Obviously, Seager, you know, because of the left-handed bat, um, you know, some of the injuries would be a bit of a concern and a red flag, and, you know, for a team that constantly gets hurt, that gets you nervous. Although, from the other side of it, you've got a couple of ma- masher shortstops that are on their way. Um, that does that, you know, build some balance in there? Um, you know, if you don't get Seager... The direction I would go would be Marcus Simeon over over Correa, you know, over Story. I think you can get Simeon probably on a shorter deal. You'd be taking him away from the Blue Jays, and he's proven his flex his flexibility on the defensive side that he can play shortstop. You know, if if, if Volpe or or Peraza get called up, you know, when you want to start adding a bit more balance, there's an injury. He can play second. I think he can play third too. You know, all of a sudden. He becomes a guy that you can help use to move around the, the the infield as well. You know, if that's the direction you want to go, I think Seager has to be one because, to your point, the left-handed bat just plays too well in New York. But to me, if I was going around number two over those guys, I'd, I'd go for Simeon just because of what we have and what we have in the minors and his flexibility and the fact that he'd be stealing him from Toronto. A's are now winning six four as Hunter Dozier just hit a solo shot. Domingo Herman, two innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, four Ks, 25 pitches, 16 strikes. So maybe the Yanks are grooming him to be a bullpen role. Um, unfortunately, I agree with you. I don't think the Yankees will sign Correa. But the problem is they're letting feelings. And, 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 and also, too, of course, Correa is going to want to come here. But let's say Correa did want to come here. They will let feelings get in the way of signing a player that's going to go into his 27-year-old season. Get in the way of signing a great player. I I yeah. think that's stupid. Yeah. You, you, don't, you yeah. don't do feelings into business. You don't do that. Now, yes, Seager is a lefty. Yes, Simming will be great. But I don't think the Blue Jays will let him go. And the Yankees are so good. 
god darn stubborn. They won't trade Glaber because they're so afraid of him finding it, which is why they won't trade Gary Sanchez, which is why they will extend Aaron Judge, because the Yankees are so afraid of if they let those three players go, and they go elsewhere, and they find it. So that's the problem, and the Yankees need to stop that shit, and they need to win the World Series. Carlos Correa will not be putting up with this up and down season. He's a he's a Gold Glove shortstop. He hits in the postseason. He hits in the regular. No, yes, he's missed games, but he's been in. He's been there when it matters. He, the 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 postseason amount of games he's played, he may have only missed a game or two. Now, now, should should he play 130 games in the regular season? Yes, but he's played at least 90, except for one year, he played 75. Last year, he played 58 out of 60 games. So, they won't get him, but Yankee fans may hate the signing. You may hear breaking news. The Yankees signed shortstop Carlos Correa seven years for $250 million. A lot of Yankee fans will hate that. But, you, guess what? You guys won't hate. Carlos Correa swings the bat. Deep shot to right. And it's a walk-off home run. Carlos Correa batted 270 this year. 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, leads the Yankees to the postseason. What if Correa has an A-Rod-like postseason? What if that gets the Yankees 20? Guess sure. what? Every Yankee fan um, will love Carlos Correa. Sometimes uh, it's winning you, you, you over are, the player. You are right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, make, make no mistake. I am. I, I care about I care about that jersey on the front more than I care about the person who's wearing it. Right? So, so um, I will certainly boo him on his first at-bat on opening day. But maybe I, maybe I won't because maybe maybe if he decides he wants to come and he and he you know apologizes and, and comes clean and does whatever he's got to do, that'll be good enough for me, you know, to say okay, fine, right? Like we're we're past it. Let's do it. He apologized and so on and so forth. I, I don't listen. I, I don't. I'm not the one making the decision, so I don't need to. I, right. I can keep my emotion. My emotion still in it. Um, I don't think I don't think Cash. I, I think Cash is is a very cerebral businessman. I, I think he's going to make the decision. It's in the best interest of the organization. There are a lot of people that are at play in this organization. More than some people realize that and deals get done. Whether it's whether it's Hal or whether it's a Randy Levine, you know there are players on this roster that get paid a lot of money that were not Cash's choice to make the deal to acquire them. It was Randy Levine's because season ticket sales had dipped, and he thought that this that that player would put more butts in seats, you know. And and now Cash has to operate, you know, with that player's contract and find ways around it. So, um, you know, I, I think I, I think what's going to happen this off season is first of all, I think Gary's gone. I think Sanchez is absolutely gone. I think you know his price tag is going to be too high next year. They very well may tender him a contract just to get him under contract, and I think they trade him, um, or they may just non-tender. If they if they think there's value in tendering him a contract and then trading him, I think they'll go about that way, or maybe you know maybe they trade him ahead of time. But I think he is gone. I just don't think I don't think he's reliable enough behind the plate, and I think they'll think there's an option out there or somebody to go get that's good enough. Um, Glaber, I think it will really depend on on what offers are out there because the talent is there. The 
the contract is controllable. Um, and if you don't spend the money on him, you can go bigger somewhere else. I do. I think they will spend regardless. I think they have they reset the luxury tax. They're going to be through the CBA, so they'll know what the penalties are and things like that. And DJ got some air under the ball finally. Um, to make it, what are we at? Six one, seven one, six one, know, seven one, six one. So, oh, now um, seven one. So love it, man. If he can, if he can keep being DJ the rest of the way. Um, I think they'll spend money. I think, and I think a lot will come down to, you know, what I think Glaber, what the value they can get for Glaber is going to determine whether they go after the, after one of those guys. I think everybody's right, but I think Seeker's Seeker's the option also because with the Dodgers going after Turner or getting Turner, I just I, I don't I don't know that, that long term. I actually could see the Dodgers going after Simeon because they can play him at second base. Turner at short, and then and then the Yankees go up, you know could could have a direct line of the Seager. I think you know Simeon Simeon uh, he's he's a leader wherever he goes. I think people I happen to have a friend who's a Blue Jay fan. He's from Toronto, and and he'll tell you that everything you hear about Simeon Simeon is that one of the reasons why this team has really clicked is because they had all this young talent. And then they brought in a guy who knows how to do it and win in a winning organization. And and he's really helped them change their process and the way they go about their, their work. Um, and so I think there's going to be teams out there that are going to have a little heavy interest in him because of his flexibility you know, on the field, because of his ability to hit, and because of his leadership skills. And so I could see someone, a team like, like the Dodgers saying, hell, we can bring him in. You know, he can play short when Turner's not playing short. He can play second. He can do whatever. Um, and so I could see him going there, and that, and that leaves up a direct line for Seeger. So um, I think there's a lot of ways you can go. I think you could, I think you could see Urshela become available if that's the move to make to. I mean, if a team doesn't have interest in in Glaber, but they have interest in Geo, um, and it's an, and it's the right move, do you move on from Geo, go sign Seeger? Put put Glaber at second, put DJ at third, um, and go about your day that way. Here's here's another thing that I just thought of with Correa and last thing on him. Um, what if <laughs> what if what if like like Cashman would say, okay, let's let's see if he's interested on in even coming here, and and let's say his representation says yes. What if they get him to come down here and just have a conversation? Just to try to get some truth, and and what if Carlos said this? I mean, I was it was a difficult situation to be in, right? But I also gotta kind of have my teammates back. I can't I can't say that we didn't do anything. I I I couldn't say that we did. You know, so something like that to where persuade where if anyone else was in that tough situation, what would you do? And maybe maybe something like that. Could make it say, "Hey, I mean, that's that's kind of right. It was it was awkward, and and also too, I mean, you got to appreciate the guy for for staying true to who he really is, because what if he just apologized, and that's on him? I mean, that's also him being fake as well too. It's a it's, it's a fake apology. Just just like every, every what Bregman and and Altuve said on that podium that day in spring training." That wasn't their words. That was PR typed. That was that. That was what people wanted them to say, just so it got over with. 
So that's what that situation happens. And also, too, a lot of things people got to remember, even if that 2017 team did beat Astros, they don't automatically get the World Series against the Dodgers. They don't automatically get the World Series against the Nationals. Who knows if they won? At the end of the day, cheating or not, the Astros did win. And, and guess what? Losing last year, if they lose this year, it's not going to be because of that. So at the end of the day, people eventually have to build a bridge, get over it. And, and fans may not. Fans may boo the Astros to, to the beginning of time. But you know what I say? The fuck Altuve stuff when the Astros are not here. That has to stop. Oh, that's that's yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that's dumb. I mean, it's somebody who's. I mean, it's somebody who's there a lot. You know, like it, that is just that's dumb, and that's that's the fans who yeah, who've had a few too many beers and don't come in often enough and don't care enough about the game, right? But you know, I, I think if, if I think you're right. I mean, listen, I, I know somebody who I know people who work in the game, and 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 they'll tell you that you know. There's a lot of organizations they'll work for, and they'll never work for the Astros. It's a very poorly run organization. Um, it's it's not it's not a reputable organization internally, and so some of these things aren't a surprise. And and um, and and you know, and, and Correa is to your point. I mean, he's the fighter type of guy. I mean, he's a big MMA fan. He trains MMA. He's a big MMA fighter type personality, and so um, I think you know New York media is a different beast. I think to your point, if he if he came in and said, "Listen, you know," and did, did an interview with with Meredith or with someone like that, and kind of came clean and said, "Listen, I'm going to have my teammates back," you know, we, this happened and, and we did it, but like I'm going to have their back, and that's what I stood up and did, and and said like it doesn't mean I condone everything that happened. It means that I was going to be there to have their back, and then he goes and has a press conference and he answers all the questions. You know, I think I think people will move on. It's in the end. Listen, guys. Like as much as I'll, as much as I would boo the daylights out of him. Like I said, I can be, I can be swayed very quickly. Because in the end, what I want is, is our Yankee wins, right? Like I want them to win 162 games every single season. Right? I, I don't want them to lose a game. So if he's going to help us win, give me the guys that are going to help us win day in and day out. Because you know that's what I want to do. Um, that's what I, that's. That's why I've got my money invested. That's why I, it's why I fly to Iowa. That's why I do when I'm on a work trip to Seattle, like find a way to do a day trip and swing through a meeting and then go to a game in Seattle and then take a red eye back home to New York. You know, like you do it because you love the team and, and whoever's going to help us get there is going to get there. Um, he certainly is. There's certainly a lot behind him, but the talent's there. You're right. I mean, make no mistake. The talent is absolutely there. And, and you know, something. To some extent, you know, this team has lacked some fire sometimes, um, and maybe and maybe he'd be the guy to bring that. You know, I, I think Judge has stepped up significantly. Um, I, certainly, it feels like Stanton has has become a louder voice in in the clubhouse. At least, you know, when you kind of look around, it looks that way. Um, but you know, this team this team misses. The personnel that Sabathia would bring, where he, from what all reports, you know, he'd get in people's faces if he felt like they were they were taking the lazy way out, or you know, there's stories about how it wouldn't be Jeter, it'd be Posada and, and Tino that'd be getting in people's faces, you know, during those years if somebody wasn't wasn't holding their own, you know. You just think about the, the mistakes that Glaber makes, and it's like, can you imagine what would happen if if that was a CC start or if it was 
you know, Posado's on that oh roster. Oh, God. He'd be, <laughs> he'd be holding them to the wall. Yeah, he'd, you know, he'd, he'd be holding Posada back from punching Glenn. But that's the face. problem, too. I don't, I don't think the Yankees have that. I mean, if Aaron Judge tried to do that, that come off fake. I mean, his biggest leadership is is playing with his game. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't think he's that guy to just get get in your face and say, "Come on, man, what the hell is going on?" You know what I'm saying? It would sound fake. Yeah, I mean, listen. I, I, from from the reports, are that some of these guys have taken a louder voice. You know, it, it sounds like Stanton has as he stayed on the field more. You know, I think I think certainly since Rizzo came on board, it sounds like Rizzo's taking a you know, like a, a big voice to the team, and um, and and I, I think in many ways, I think what happens with Glaber this offseason is going is going to tell you, you know, what is happening inside inside the organization because if the feeling is that he is not putting in the work, or he became a megastar too young, and um, and hasn't and hasn't you know, I, I've said this on, on Twitter one time, but I said. You know, he feels like he puts in the same amount of effort that Cano used to put in. The difference was that Cano's talent was so much higher that he didn't. He made it look. He made it look effortless. Um, Glaber is not somebody who makes it look effortless. And and so when he when he makes the bonehead play, you're like, were you in the right position, right? Like, right. were you thinking the right way to do things? Um, and if and if he's not, and if that is if that is in fact an issue. I think you'll know because those those are the things that people don't talk about, but all of a sudden a guy gets moved that maybe you didn't expect to get moved because because Cashman knows that, right? Cashman finds that stuff out. He's talking. He's talking to, to you know. He's talking to Judge. He's talking to Stanton. He's talking to Cole and finding out like the read on guys and and what are the things he should know about because in the end it's on him to construct a team. That's going to win a championship, and if you've got guys who the talent might be through the roof, but they're never going to achieve it because they're never going to put the level of effort in, you know, then you gotta then you gotta let them go. Last two quick questions. Number one, um, if um, you know, do you like the um, do you like Boone? And if so, um, and if not, then who should replace him? And where do you think? And what do you think happens with Brian Cashman? One, let's, let's go with Cashman because that's the easier one. Cashman's going nowhere. Um, if you if you look at Hal and how he's run the organization, Hal has a lot of loyalty to those who were loyal to the boss um, and and have been here for a long period of time. That is not just Cash. You know, certainly Randy Levine is still heavily involved in the organization. Look at look at Susan Waldman. You know, and, and and John Sterling. You know, Susan, Susan, her stories are are you know are well documented on how she was a beat reporter and these different things, and how George gave her a hard time, but how they became very close. And, and you can see how loyal um, Hal is to guys like that. So I, I don't. So if nothing else, I think Hal is loyal to Cash, but I think Hal also just doesn't want to be that involved. And and the thing with Cash is that. Um, we 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 analyze the things that we see. Um, you know, there were reports in the off season that, that Cash had gotten the paperwork done on a deal to get Lindor, and then um, and then Hal blocked that. Um, you know, certainly the stories out there about how how, how Cash wanted David Ortiz um, and George blocked it. 
Um, certainly there's, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier, but, you know, the Stanton trade was not, I don't believe was Cash's idea. I was told it was a Randy Levine deal. Um, and he still, every time, finds a way to, to get the product on the field, um, even when he's got to deal with different things. So I think Cash is going nowhere. Um, I, I personally am a Cash fan. I think he's. I think he, he finds a way to, to get things done um, all the time. Not every not everyone is perfect. You know, there are certainly things that you wish didn't happen. You wish you would have signed Lance Lynn instead of J-Hap. Um, but, uh, but I think he does a, a pretty good job overall. What he added to this roster without being able to add anybody, you know, was pretty incredible. Yes, Andrew Heaney sucks. But taking, but getting Gallo and Rizzo for $0 is incredible. Getting Clay Holmes is incredible. So uh, I'm a cash fan on the Boone side. Um, you know, to me, Boone is like, Boone is like Glaber in the way. I, I, I think, I think Boone is a very good level-headed manager that you need in day in, day in and day out this season. Um, his press conferences can drive us all insane, but in many ways, he doesn't have, he doesn't have a choice of what he can say. Um, and he also, because he's, a, you know, comes from a player's family, is not going to sit there and air dirty laundry um, in the media because he also knows what comes with that. So um, those things are certainly frustrating. You know, seeing the way that the players reacted when he was when he had to go and have the heart surgery kind of spoke volumes about him. But I don't love all the moves that he makes. Um, you know, I wish I wish we could have somebody like Mattingly who now has really found a great way to balance the analytics and and what you see with your eyes, um, which I think. I think this team is too analytics driven. I work in tech. I mean, I, I deal with algorithms all the time, and I think, and I think this this team is too analytics driven, um, and they're not using what they see with their own two eyes. But you know, and hey, in a perfect world, you'd, you'd have you'd have a, a, a manager that is you know has Buck Showalter's in game skills and David Cohn's analytics knowledge. Um, I'm not sure that I know that that person's out there. So if that person was out there and an option. Um, I'd say, okay, we can move on from Boone. Um, I don't think it is, and, and honestly, I don't I don't think Boone goes either because I think he does the job that the front office wants. I think he's doing the job that they want him to do. He's standing there and taking the bullets. He's following the analytics that he's given, um, and he is uh, and he keeps the team even on the day in the day to out basis. I think I think Marcus Timms needs to go. I think that this team is. I think the batting strategy from this team has been pathetic all year in the sense that I haven't seen any major any major tweaks or changes like I haven't seen if, like if guys are in a slump tweak something like do like what Gallo was doing which was you know Gallo started throwing down bunts let him throw down bunts just get people on base and focus more on, on taking pitches or getting people on base or you know I think it was the Kluber game against the Angels where after a couple innings they realized that Kluber was throwing get me over get me over pitches on the, on the first pitch to get a strike and get ahead of the count. And so all of a sudden they start jumping it. Well, yeah. like, if you're the hitting coach, shouldn't you have somebody on your team trying to look for those things on a day-in, day-out basis and jump some of these pitchers when they, if they're getting into a routine? And I don't know that I really see it on a regular basis. So I get rid of Tim's. I get rid of whoever our infield coach is, which I think is Willits. Um, and as far as Boone is concerned, you know, if the right option is out there, I'm down for it. Uh, if there if there isn't the right option, I, I just I don't know where else you go. For me, you're you're a hundred percent right. Michael Cave even said it the next day on the Michael K show. You know that they they stopped letting him get the one count, 
and they started attacking the 86 slow plus as Chapman warms up top bottom nine man on first and second one out and and they attacked his whole self so he he probably won't be back next year I truly think and I've been saying this for a while I think the Yankees need to either consider trading Luke Voigt or Gio Urshela and I and I'd be okay with trading Voigt over Urshela mostly that's because I want Rizzo back I I think Rizzo not only is great defensively He's a good left-hander bat. He's great in the clubhouse. Veteran presence. He's won before. He he knows what it takes. So as long as it's a three or four year deal, do that. Keep keep Glaber at second. Get a shortstop. Any one of the five shortstops. Do it. Make it happen. It's gonna make the Yankees better. And and with Aaron Boone. Book Showalter is not coming here. Alex Core is not coming here. Dusty Baker is not coming here. So unless it's one of those three managers, anybody else that's not Aaron Boone is going to be Aaron Boone because these players are mentally soft. They can't help the players. They got they got to use analytics. They're, they're going to take whatever lineup Cashman and the nerds give them. And if he changes it, it's not going to be too much. John Carl Stanton is not going to play a bunch of games in the outfield. He'll play more than this year. But he's not going to play a lot. They'll most likely bring back Gardy. And Gardy's the only Yankee that that gives it 100% every day. He seems to never take it off. Not even Judge do that. Even Judge takes off casually, you see here and there. So sometimes, especially on Twitter, I think each and every one on Twitter, and I even do it once in a while myself, but I think each person on Twitter talks about and chooses how they would manage. But guess what? In every situation, and Michael K also says this all the time, is each game goes into another. So what you do Sunday, you're not going to be able to do Saturday. So on days where Aaron Boone wants to use Andrew Heaney, guess what? He forces it because if he can squeeze that extra little bit of out of Andrew Heaney, that's that's one more time he could use Chad Green. That's one more time he could use Jonathan Luizga. If 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 he don't see Nestor Cortez having it through four, guess what? He's got to try to get him to five, six, or seven. That way he can have more bullpen the next day. You know, if if the team's down by eight in the, in the six innings, guess what? You're gonna take out Judge. You're gonna take out guys to 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 get them off their feet. It's not as easy as we make it out to be. Yes, we have it easier. We have nothing to lose. We can say exactly what we want because we don't make the Yankees win. We don't make the Yankees lose. We are just guys who are fans of the game. And we, and, and for the most part, we think we know what we're talking about. But guess what? If any one of us, if any one of us got to manage the Yankees for a season, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going past 50 wins because... They'll manage every game like 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 it's Game Seven World Series, and every player will be burnt out by June. So sorry, it doesn't work that way. Sal Romano's going out because he's hurt, but I, I would say um, I think I think you're right. I think Void is gone. You know, I I love Void. I love Void's fire, or I love Void's Void's fire. You know, I certainly loved his bat last year. Um, you know, I mean, but the problem is the line the lineup is too right-handed. And he doesn't play good enough defensive first base. 
You know, if you bring if you bring in Rizzo to your point, you can get him for three years or four years. You know, then what ends up happening is Rizzo's backup becomes Lemayhu. You know, so there there is your right-handed backup. You shift DJ over, and that gives him. And over the course of the season, you want to bring up the kids. You know, they can they can play some infield spots as you're moving DJ and backup Rizzo. Um, I think it just I think it adds a lot more flexibility to the lineup. So I think I think he moves. I think he I don't think he gets traded till after um, the CBA is done because you, you're going to need the universal DH. When the universal DH is in place, I think that Void has a ton more value across the league, and so I think that's when you'll see them move him um, and get something substantial for him. I think either either they'll get an arm, um, whether it's a starter or a reliever or something, or they'll get they'll get some decent prospects back because you know his price tag isn't isn't that high. He certainly can play the field, um, and if you're and if now you're looking for a DH on top of it, you know he can certainly DH. So I think. Um, I think he will get moved. Uh, what he gets back is what we'll just we'll find out. And I think it opens the door then for them to either either go for Rizzo, right, and bring him back, which I think I, to me seems like the most likely scenario. Um, Rizzo doesn't look, doesn't to me look like a guy who is going to want to go bounce around to go to an, another team. He was, he went from he went from being you know the man in Chicago an iconic franchise um, to New York where. You know, another iconic franchise, and so I think he's going to make every effort to probably try to stay in New York um, and play it out here. And I think the Yankees would be smart to bring him back because he's just—he's a guy you want on your roster. All right. So before you go, tell everybody where where they can find you out on social media, and and also more importantly, where we're at right now. One, do you got the Yankees making a playoff spot? And two. How do you see the roster for the playoffs? Um, one, I just uh, I'm David R. Rifkin on uh, R-I-F-K-I-N on Twitter, so you can go find me on there. Um, I, I think my money, and I, it's you know, I'm I'm a Yankee fan, so I'm going to say they're going to get the first wild card spot, um, and uh, we'll, we'll be there for a home game in in, in the Bronx, uh, and they will win that. Um, and then, you know, something, I mean, if, if I, as much as I'd like to say they're going to win the World Series, I don't know that I'm, I don't know that I'm completely sold they're going to win the World Series. I think they certainly can make it to the ALCS, um, and, and where we go from there. But, you know, if you think about it, if they get past Tampa, who they certainly have proven they can beat Tampa, um, there's no reason why they can't beat Houston, who they've beaten up. Or, or beat the White Sox, who they have beaten up. So, to me, the biggest challenge the Yankees are going to have is that you know, probably the wild card game is probably the toughest game they're going to have because it's very well could be Toronto, um, and then you know, and then Tampa. So, um, if all of a sudden they can win that wild card game and they can, you know, get through Tampa, there's a legitimate shot for the World Series. Um, what does that what does that roster look like? Uh, I think I think the roster looks like what we're seeing tonight, which is I think you're going to see, you know, you'll see the jumbo package in the outfield. Um, you'll see Rizzo at first. You'll see Higgy behind the plate at least for game one. Um, you know, I think I think we will get we'll get Domingo back in in the pen um, to add some depth to that rotation. I think they probably go 
they probably go Cole, um, J-Mo, Monty, Nestor on the rotation. Um, and for the love of God, I hope that he is not uh, not on the roster and Domingo is and maybe, 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 maybe we just get lucky and we find a way for Severino to be there to be able to pitch an inning or two here or there, wherever. And if he is, and if he's Sevy, man, he, he is... He is nasty, right? Like, people forget how nasty he is when he's on, and maybe we'll get lucky and have him. All right, buddy. Thank you so much for talking in baseball with us. Thanks, guys, for having me, and uh, have a good night, and let's hope the Yankees finish this one off. Yes, sir. Take care, buddy. There you go.